Welcome to the Solve for Greatness podcast with your hosts, Dr. G and Budima. This podcast hopes to inspire everyone to realize their own greatness, maximize their potential, and create massive impact. Let's do this. Here we go, Budima. First episode, Solve for Greatness. How do you feel? I feel really good. <laughs> you can tell. You can tell in your voice. <laughs> yeah, incredibly excited. I've wanted to do this for a very long time. And being out in the world, getting to know a lot of different people and looking at the way that I've changed and, and grown and matured over the over the past few years and wanting to share that with the world. You know, so very, very excited to get started today. And I think it's um the first of many to come. I love it. I love it. Now I feel the same, man. Like I wanted to, at the start of this year, 2021, I set my new year's resolutions like most people. And one, one question I asked myself is like, what would I do if this was like my last year on the planet? <laughs> For some reason, podcasts kept coming into my head. So it's a, it's a funny thing to, to want to do, uh, especially if it's the last thing on, you know, last year on the planet, but yeah, it's always been a dream of mine. So I'm super grateful to bring this to life. We're equally committed to making this something great. So it's going to be awesome, man. I'm super grateful and excited. Yeah, yeah, me too, man. And and I, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, on why you wanted to start this and, and what you want to ultimately get out of it. Oh, so many things, man. Like I think we've talked about like my own personal values. So my values are that I live by are to prioritize happiness, service and growth in all facets of my life. So when I say all facets of my life, it means like for myself and but then everyone around me as well. And it just ticks all those boxes. So happiness, I love having engaging conversations. It's just something that brings me happiness consistently and in terms of service i think it's going to be awesome you know that the conversations that we have and the conversations we have anyway right we have we have plenty of conversations during the week that are not recorded they they serve me and i think they serve you as well and when we share it with the world hopefully it'll help other people and then when we, when we start interviewing other people it's going to elevate that to another level because we both have learned things that can help and there's plenty plenty more to learn so that's going to be awesome. And in terms of growth, it's just like a completely different set of skills. I think like loving to create things. And I, lo- I love the idea of like having an idea and then manifesting it. And when we hear a podcast or an awesome podcast, we often are, th- are thinking as well that that was a great conversation, but you don't necessarily see the behind the scenes stuff. Like, you know, how did they get their mic right? You know, what did they do? How do they do their show notes? How do they uh, structure a conversation? How why did they ask that specific question, post-production, all that sort of stuff. So the growth is super intriguing to me. Yeah, it just ticks all my boxes, ticks all my boxes. What's in it for you? Yeah, I think I think that's what I, I really enjoyed um, speaking to you about this. And, and when we were brainstorming it, uh, I felt like there was so much healthy cross, so much of a healthy cross-section between what the both of us wanted to achieve out of these conversations. And for me personally, it's it's just sharing and bringing out the everyday greatness that everyone brings into the world. We all, we're all great in, in our own way. And, you know, it's our duty to share it with the world. 
right? So this podcast is is all about that, just sharing our, our everyday greatness. I think if it can help our listeners, or even if it can help ourselves, like that would be the icing on the cake for sure. So yeah, that's that's definitely what I wanted to get out of it. And and I think um, we picked a pretty a, a a pretty good topic to start off with, which is which is sometimes you have to touch the stove. Yeah, do you want to, do you want to kind of explain um, for everyone what that phrase kind of means? I, I think I think the context is hilarious. So it's just. We had our normal like podcast meeting and then later that day you called me as if you had like stumbled like you had entered the matrix or something <laughs> and you're like dude dude i had this epic conversation with a friend and he just said sometimes you have to touch the stove and you were just you were just so excited and obviously that was infectious i was just as excited i think we we both clicked like we both understood in our own lives what that meant to us and absolutely, yeah, sometimes I have to touch the stove. I guess for me, it's, there's a lot of ways to, to frame that. That's a very elegant way. For me, I guess, we, you know, we, we've previously called it chasing discomfort. And it's, I guess, two sides of the same coin, this idea of doing things that may not seem the best for you or may hurt, but you need to do it. Or, you know, there is a, a, a reward from doing it. What's your take on it? That's, that's, that's a very interesting take. Uh, for, for me, it, it comes from that phrase, you know, don't touch the stove because it's hot. But it's going against the teachings of that phrase or, or the learnings of that phrase to say that sometimes, yes, there are situations where you shouldn't t- touch the stove, but sometimes you have to. And it's about chasing that discomfort because that's where the growth lives, right? In, in the area between the, the uncomfortable and the unknown and, and, you know, constantly pushing yourself out there outside of your comfort zone to try and achieve that. That's what it means for me. And, and I, I, I like flipping the meaning on its head. You know, because it gets you to think of or frame the situation in a different light. And sometimes that's all it takes, you know, just, just looking at things in a different, from a different perspective. Oh, preach, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interested in getting your thoughts on chasing discomfort and, and diving a bit deep, a little bit deeper into that and, and what that means for you. Yeah. So, I mean, touching the stove for me is like, is so important to do it intentionally and i think i know and i and i feel so strongly about this because for a lot of my life i didn't and looking back the amount of opportunities that i lost as a result are you know a bit scary to think about you know it's like i'll give you an example right i used to be a very very shy kid at school you probably remember mm. you know we were schoolmates right yeah. <laughs> may or may not remember So, you know, very shy, you know, when a question was asked in class, I would be the one like trying not to make eye contact with the teacher, you know, any public speaking opportunities, like it didn't, like, why would I touch that stove? Like it didn't make any sense. You know, I'd get burnt. What's the point? And then, then I had a big attempt to touch the stove and I did get burnt. So uh, I, I, you know, we, we did a lot of charity events throughout uni. There's this big event, you know, probably like 300 people. A lot of Sri Lankan like uncles and aunties and maybe our listeners wouldn't know but that is like if you can master that crowd there's no crowd that you you cannot master like if you can get the uncles and aunties on your side you are a master public speaker 
uh, anyway, so I spoke, you know, I had this whole speech and like uh, made like all these funny jokes and I, I put it out there and I completely bombed. For like 80, 90% of the crowd, I don't think they even realized I was at the front speaking, you know, and the mic was on. I could hear, like the mic was on and I was like, you know, trying to get their attention and more, um, you know, I was, I was not just touching it mentally. I was like sitting on the stove and I was getting burnt. Mm. And ever since then, I was like, I'm out. Like I, someone else can do this. Like I'll still organize the charity events, but um, or help organize. But someone else can MC. Like that. And, and for like a, a few years, I didn't do any public speaking as a result. Or you know, I retreated into that shy kid. But then I shifted my mindset. So I reframed. I can't remember why or like what triggered it, but I shifted my mindset from you know how can I impress people or how can I give a good presentation, which was very external to how can I screw this up? <laughs> how can I absolutely screw this up? Or how can I take a risk that's exciting to me? And just, it's like purely like an experiment. So I, I shifted this focus from externally to internally. So I'm still touching the stove, but I'm setting the parameters internally on what success means, right? And then I'm not sure what happened, but as I started speaking and I set my goal of setting risks internally, everything changed. I realized, man, this is actually really fun. And it just kept doing it. Every time I spoke, I was like, okay, what's the next risk I can take? What's the next risk? What's the next stove I can touch? And it like just evolved. It became like, you know, telling certain jokes, telling jokes on purpose that were not funny sometimes just to get that out of my system, like on purpose. Um, and then dancing in front of thousands of people. And then my, my biggest thing recently was um, I was MC for this concert for like some quite famous Sri Lankan singers and which is awesome and I sang in front of them like in, in front of like 2,300 people this is a kid that got burnt like years ago right and and, and I'm not a singer <laughs> you know I, I can't sing but that was the risk I, I took and since then it's like completely changed the game for me and that's that's sort of dominoed into other aspects of my life so i always wonder like that stove i didn't touch for years like i've missed out on so many opportunities so many people i could have met and it's yeah it's it's scary to think about like you know those years probably a decade maybe 15 years where i was that shy kid and, and there's nothing wrong with being shy but you know what if i did just put my hand up you know even if i didn't know what would that trajectory look like? I guess um, I'm starting to find out. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I I find it fascinating with the the whole concept of touching the stove is is that you're putting yourself out of your comfort zone, right? You're telling yourself that it's more important for me to be outside of my comfort zone than to me for me to be standing there and not touch the stove. And and it's it's also interesting that. When, when it first happens to us and we do get burnt, that that's a reinforcing behavior to say that you shouldn't be touching the stove because it's just, it's uncomfortable. But it almost speaks to your appetite for risk as well, where, you know, you're willing to put yourself out there constantly to develop that growth and to grow even faster. Absolutely. And the risk is a tricky one, man. Like it's, 
I mean, if we were to reframe it, risk, like naturally, I'm not sure whether, well, for me anyway, naturally, I don't, I don't really want to take risks per se. It seems counterintuitive. Um, but although that's what I, that's what I, that's how I framed it. But something I'm more reflecting on these days is, is it, is it a risk or is it an assumption that needs to be tested? or a hypothesis that needs to be tested. We talked about fear, right? That acronym, false events appearing real. So is a risk a false event appearing real? Well, if it was an assumption or a hypothesis, you can test it. And it's not as, it's more playful, it's more experimental as opposed to risky, if that makes sense. I don't know, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a very, um, that's, that's a very interesting way to put it because it depends on your internal reference, right? Your your internal filters. The way that you frame the language or the internal dialogue that you have, the vocabulary that you use that influence your thoughts and feelings moves forward and, and enables you to behave in particular ways and it influences your actions and then the results that you get. So it's that framework. Rather than looking at it as a risk, you know, if you were to look at it as an opportunity, using your using your words, test assumptions, then you're always going to have that flexibility in opening up and unlocking all of the options that's available to you. you yeah. Know? So that you don't have to retrospectively look back on the situation and, and think that you could have handled it a different way. Because yeah. when you're in the situation, you have all of the options available to you. Correct. 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 What, what, what is it? What's your... I mean, I know it's important to you. I know you're like, you know, you, you prefer to have both hands on the stove and maybe a foot. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's the, what, have you always been like that? Or what, what's, what's the no, driving factor? No, I, I, Cause it's, it's, it is unnatural, right? It's like a, when you say it out loud, it's like, yeah, fuck the world yeah, to do that. <laughs> when I first started doing it consciously, I was second guessing myself a lot. And yeah. I think that's normal. I think that's okay because you're starting to develop that internal muscle. You're tr starting to flex that muscle internally that's drawing you out of your comfort zone. Because when you touch that stove and, it, and it's hot and it's uncomfortable, then that's, that's your comfort zone pulling you, dragging you back into it, right? To say, hey, you know, get your hand off the stove. It's, it's more comfortable here. Why don't you just stay here where you don't have to take risks, where you don't have to, you know, test assumptions, where you can just exist and be. And that's perfectly fine too. But for me, I started to realize when I first started working as an engineer that I was actually touching yes. the stove without even me knowing it you know i was i was put into pressurized situations i was put into situations where i had to think on my feet and it was very uncomfortable for me because i wasn't stretched in that yeah. way throughout yeah. my education we just weren't I, I, everything was just safe you know the material you had to learn was there you could read it in a textbook whereas when you start working there's no textbook for how you need to communicate with your colleagues there's no textbook for how you need to empower the people around you so that we can achieve the objectives right. of the organization. You know, it's just, you just, you just have to think and feel your way through it. I think in order to do that, you need to make a lot of mistakes initially, which means t touching the stove, but, but then, you know, developing yourself, the internal and, and the, the emotional resistance and the resilience to be able to do that. I, I would argue that by the time you get to a point where you're not making mistakes as many mistakes it's time to touch the next stove don't you think like it's like you you've 
it's like you've stretched. It's like a, you know, you stretch and then you might recoil a bit, but you don't come back to that same elasticity you were before. You're a bit more flexible, a bit more malleable. And then it's time to stretch or touch the stove, chase that discomfort again. If you want to keep growing, especially if you want to keep growing at a, at a fast rate, which we, we like to do for whatever yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, you've got, you've, you've got a medical background and, and, and I think the way that our muscles work when we're at the gym and we're breaking down the muscle fibers and, and, you know, when we're lifting heavy weights, I think it works the same way for our mind as well. When our mind is stretched to that capacity where it mends, it's the strongest. You know, it becomes even stronger as it mends. As, mm. it, as it heals mm. gym for the mind yeah, yeah exactly yeah. yeah so that to me is is a an interesting um analogy it's yeah it's yeah. have you heard of david goggins yes yeah yeah he's... He, he, he calls it like really dirty with it right like he, that guy like doesn't live on a like he doesn't touch the stove he like walks into the fire <laughs> yeah that is on another level but he, he calls it like callousing your mind. Yes. Intense, right? Like you sort of like, like you do when you're, you know, physically, but mentally like that, that next level of resilient, next level of, you know, seeing what the mind is capable of. And we have evidence to suggest that the mind is capable of like greatness, you know, and, and beyond. And I guess, I guess this is why, this is why we started this podcast to realize that greatness in everyone, in all of us, and then maximize our potential and then like go on to just do great things and create a lot of impact. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So, so how can we, so how can we encourage ourselves or, or the people around us to, to touch their stoves and, you know, not, not acknowledging that that's the best situation or that's the best outcome um, or sequence of events that might benefit everyone equally. But for us, you know, for, for us and people like us uh, or, or for the everyday person that has greatness within them, like how can, how can we encourage people to touch more stoves? Figuratively speaking, not literally. <laughs> Please don't touch it. Yeah, yeah, don't actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> definitely actually, don't advocate for that. Imagine that. People actually actually go and touch stoves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because we said it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just want to put that disclaimer out there. Yeah. Uh, Look, there's so much to say. I mean, for, for me, I don't claim to be an expert in touching stoves. Let's get that that clear. Uh, I'm, I'm out here with everybody else trying to figure it all out. This is my framework. So number one, my rule for touching stoves is you got to be careful. You have to be mindful that it doesn't hurt anyone, you know? So my, 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 my first rule, my main rule is if it doesn't hurt myself or hurt other people, it's fair game. If it doesn't break that rule, it's fair game as far as I'm concerned. So that helps me, you know, <laughs> not push it to the point where it's, you know, it might be perhaps great for me and my own personal growth, but it, you know, affects someone else's life. That's not okay. So for me, that, that's the framework that I've set. But then, then it becomes really interesting. I guess a lot of it is, reframing and one thing i already mentioned is like if you have a, a fear to start viewing it as perhaps a false event appearing real and view it as an assumption to be tested you know it's one thing to like speak speak like just positive speak you know like a positive talk like you know now nah, this is just false event appearing real oh this is just my comfort zone but for me i'm someone who needs proof that helps me much more than just positive talk 
So yeah, I search for the evidence, you know? So I, I, I said it as an assumption. A good example was the public speaking, right? I assumed that I won't ever become a good public speaker. And that's an assumption to test. And you keep testing it. Eventually you find that you do get some success. And then the next layer is control. So I think a lot of that com discomfort comes from a lack of control and uncertainty. And I think that also needs to be reframed. So for me, I mean, I, I teach this to my patients all the time. I call it the illusion of control or, you know, Stephen Covey calls it the circle of influence to understand like what we can truly control and what we can't and knowing the difference. So I'll ask you, what, what can we control? Well, we can control the way that we perceive the world around us. Yeah. Yeah. So our, our response. Yes, we can actively frame the response that we inter have internally yeah. to the events that unfold around us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what else? Can you control anything else? We can control the way that it influences our actions. Yeah, so what we do. Yeah, and then you can influence the results of those actions as well. You can influence them. Yes. But yeah. you, can't you can't control, control the results. No. That's the subtle, that's the subtle distinction. So I would summarize that as you can control or learn to control what we say, think, and do hmm. the do and the saying you can probably control hundred percent. The thinking that takes a lot of work. That's like, once you master that, then it's game on. Yeah. Right. And we're all working towards that <laughs> Definitely. to master our inner, inner dialogue. So yeah, what we say, think, and do right. Everything else by definition outside of that is outside our control. So for example, with my public speaking, I can control what I say, what I do, what I think, how I prepare, uh, the jokes I'm going to say, the risk, the risks or the assumptions that I'm going to test, how I'm going to do it, the tone, you know, whether I joined Toastmasters before to get really prepared, whether I practice in front of the mirror 20 times before I go on stage, I cannot control whether people listen, I can influence it but I can't control whether people listen. I can't control them speaking amongst each other or I can't stop them from throwing tomatoes at me, you know, whatever it is. That's outside my control. And knowing that difference and living in your circle of influence, what you can control, for me, it's been so powerful because then touching the stove is not about necessarily what happens after you touch the stove, but it's the process of touching the stove. That's where you live. And then you see what results you get and those results will influence your thinking and therefore your actions and then your future results. So that's sort of my, my system. And I guess as a mindset thing, along with that rule that I mentioned about, you know, not hurting yourself or others is deciding to touch the stove, but to make that decision of like, you know, it's uncomfortable, it's counterintuitive, but I'm intrigued by what happens after. And I'm curious about the, the possibilities and the opportunities. So that that's sort of my my system. What what's your if I was as teacher, that's how I would teach it as, at a very you know superficial level. What what would how would you teach it? How, why is it important to touch it, and how do you do it? I, I I love your definition of it, and especially acknowledging that we have control over what we um, think, feel, and do. Thinks the feelings feelings are tricky, bro. Like yeah. it's it's hard to. <laughs> I know I know a mutual 
mentor and coach Marley would disagree on this, but I, I don't think you can contr- directly control how you feel, but I think you can control how you, what you say, definitely what you do. And then you can work on controlling what you think, but yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt mm. you. you keep going. Okay. Do you think, do you think it's more control or influence? Cause I feel like we, <laughs> I feel like we can, we can influence our feelings, but the feelings are direct results of our thoughts, right? As, 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 uh, Dr. Marley would say. In, but influence is different to control. Yes. I feel like I can, I can control what I say. I'm controlling exactly what I'm telling you. Right. And if, if, I, if I don't say the right thing, then I'll correct myself because I have control over that. Mm-hmm. And I'll do do things and I have con- complete control over that, but I can, which will influence my feelings, but I can't say something or do something and know for sure that I'm going to feel a certain way. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. But I think that there isn't a difference. Oh, explain. Because at the end of the day, you, you either feel something or you don't. Yeah. Right. You either feel anger or hurt or you may feel a whole range of different emotions but you feel something there's the that's the outcome yes yeah right and the and and the thought process is the is the how you get to the outcome yeah it's that internal thought process so the control is then if you can control the thought process then you can control the outcome you can, I, yeah, right. I don't. This is, you know, this is very, very broad brush and general generalization. I think I'm also speaking from my own perspective, which has really empowered me to take more control over what I tell myself. Yeah. Over the internal dialogue, it's really taking control of that process that has helped me frame things. That that's helped me through incredibly difficult times in my life like you know for example lockdowns and 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 covid and and isolation yeah, yeah. and and making sense of that and making sense of yeah. not being able to yeah. see your family or your friends or you know it, it's gotten me through some difficult periods because i get to tell myself hey you know that's not necessarily how i feel it's just what i'm thinking at the moment and that's not the kind of person that i am so it's helped me forgive myself a lot easier and that in turn has led to empowering me to face the, the reality of, of the situation and, and to push through that reality with, with discomfort, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Willingly touch the stove, touch the COVID stove. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So again, much, much simpler said than done. You know, and, and some days you just, you, you're going to struggle with it, right? Overall, the, the prevailing mentality is that if you can control the quality of the internal dialogue that you have within you will determine the feelings that you have, you know, will determine your mood. Yeah. Yeah. Which will then influence yeah, your yeah, 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 yeah. thought, uh, your, your, your uh, behaviors and your actions. And therefore your results. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, I mean, as far as touching the stove though, right? Like what you're saying is, let me ask you in a, I guess in a slightly confrontation, like provocative way. So if you were to teach someone on how to touch the stove, 
would you say how you feel about it matters? Assuming that, you know, no one's getting hurt and all that sort of stuff. Would you say that that's something that you would use to make that decision? I, I think we should probably dial it all the way back to just asking whether that that's an important aspect of their life. You could be at a point in your life where you're incredibly comfortable and then there's no there's no need to wander away from what causes and creates that comfort zone. Whereas for the both of us, we prioritize discomfort. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I suppose uh, that discomfort is our comfort comfort zone <laughs> yeah right to live in that area like that's our preference yeah in, in a way in a way we would be going against our preference if we were to not constantly be pushing ourselves and stretching ourselves and wanting to learn and grow that's not to say that someone within their comfort zone doesn't do that i i, I mean yeah i, I think it, it just happens to a lesser degree yeah, that's a, that's a really good distinction. I guess the, the, the underlying premise here is that you do want what's on the other side of touching the stove. And for us, I guess the assumption we're making is that it's growth, right? That's why we're doing it. Mm. Is there any other reason? I honestly can't think of any. Is, is there any other reason other than growing? Maybe it's a little bit more nuanced than that for me. When I first started off my career, I was just blown away by how little I knew about engineering. I mean, here I was, someone studied for the the duration of a degree. I came out of the degree thinking that I had some level of competency in <laughs> being an engineer. I got into the industry and I knew nothing. And that was, that was quite a yeah. moment for me, which made me realize if I, if I wanted to become a brilliant engineer, I need to take that responsibility on myself. I can't expect my organization or I can't expect the people around me or I can't expect anyone else to take that responsibility on. Sure, they can assist me with it and support me through it. Absolutely. You can surround yourself with the right people mm. and, and the right organization to, to be able to do that, to empower you to do that. But you need to take that responsibility on yourself. Yeah. And, and for, for, for me, like I, for a very long time, I didn't, I, I didn't feel like I was good enough, you know, but then, but then when I started to get some wins and, and some runs on the board, I closed projects and, you know, accomplished, mm. accomplished various things within the industry and, and improved processes it let me know that I was on the right track. And then when I look, look back on it, I can see that I was touching the stove the entire time. I think for me, it's always chasing that feeling of discomfort, knowing that maybe this time you've bitten off more than you can chew. Right? <laughs> but, right, right. but when you did that the last time, you were able to pull through. And so you do it again and you do it over and over again. And, and you're always constantly chasing that uncomfortable feeling so is it is it the reward you get from that discomfort or touching the stove that ultimately drives you or is it purely the the discomfort (laughs) period i think it's knowing that i have the control and i have the capability of taking on responsibility and prevailing in the end knowing that i hold myself personally accountable for producing or creating or improving something and knowing that i will prevail in the end 
So it, to me, it sounds like it's, I mean, if you were to put a, a positive side on that, it's not so much that you're, I mean, you're, yes, you're chasing the com- discomfort, but it's because you're, you're really also chasing that sense of feeling empowered, sense of accomplishment, sense of achievement that's on the other side of that discomfort or that stove. Is that accurate? hundred percent. I think you just summarized the episode up perfectly. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's, that's the, it's not, I, I think it's, it's probably silly just to touch the stove for the sake of touching the stove. <laughs> like you, you need, you, it's because you expect some sort of reward from it, whether it's like a private victory in, inside internally or a public victory, such as a promotion, for example, at work. Yeah. I think it, I think it's a far deeper than an expectation though. I think it's it's more like that's the reality. You know, you don't you don't expect the sun to rise in the morning. Right? <laughs> right. It just happens. It as as sure as you are the sun will right. rise in the morning, you yeah. will be sure of your success because there is no there's no evidence. There's no evidence to the contrary. Ah, I love that. I love that so much. It's the blueprint. So it's like the rite of passage yeah. for fit, for accomplishment. Yeah, it's. I think it goes far, far deeper than an expectation because an expectation has a preconceived notion or view of how reality should transpire. Whereas this is far deeper to say, no, no, no. The objective reality is that I will succeed. The objective. Oh, that's powerful. That's powerful. I think. Yeah, I think philosophically speaking, you know, there's a lot, probably a lot of holes in that. <laughs> but, <laughs> But uh, I, 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 love, I love going as far as to say that. That's a great end. That's a great end. <laughs> couldn't, have, couldn't have finished it off any better. That was a very thought-provoking first episode, Budama. I actually really enjoyed it. And it's, uh, I, think, I think my mindset shifted a little bit during, as we got talking, I really gelled with that idea of it's the reality. Like, that's just how it is. Yeah. <laughs> for that reason, I, I really like that. So, yeah, thank you for that conversation. And thanks for everyone for listening. I mean, we got more content coming, more thought-provoking com- conversations, more captivating content. We can't wait. We're super excited. Buddha. Thanks, Gihan. Appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, just that's I think that's a hallmark of a great conversation, isn't it? Where we can walk away and say, hey, I, I really got something out of that. Absolutely. That's what we try to like. We just like playfully challenge ourselves to search for that aha moment every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, go for that daily aha moment. Daily aha. And I think I got mine today, man. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the Solve for Greatness podcast with your hosts, Dr. G and Budima. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and share. See you soon.